All right, well, hello everyone and welcome to Bible study tonight. We are starting a new series, a 10-part series called Living from the Heart. Of course, if you've been attending Liberty for any amount of time, you know that you have a new heart. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a brand new heart. That old heart of stone that you had when you were born in sin and living in sin has been removed. It's been transplanted. You have a brand new heart and Jesus lives in that heart by his spirit. And it's a perfect heart. And Jesus invites all of us to live from the heart. And so we want to take a few weeks to talk about what it means to live from this new heart, this new nature, uh, this new spirit that we have. The old spirit, the old nature, the old heart, the old man, the old woman is gone, dead and gone, and is never coming back uh, because we are new creations uh, and we are in Christ. And we have this hope, this blessed hope, this wonderful, glorifying, purifying hope that Christ is in us and we are in him. And that is our hope of glory. The truths we're going to explore in this series are absolutely key to experiencing a genuinely fulfilling life in Christ. I don't, I don't think this is true of you, but it's true of a lot of Christians. They don't live a fulfilling life. They live a very uh, powerless life. They live a very joyless life. Uh, they don't have any peace. They don't have any confidence. They don't have any assurance uh, because they haven't been told the true gospel. I mean, they've been told that Jesus died for their sins. And if they say the sinner's prayer, they'll go to heaven when they die if they stay real good and be on their best behavior until then. Um, but... They haven't heard the true gospel, that Jesus came to save them and set them free, to give them righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, and to give them power to overcome sin and to live an abundant life, a victorious life, a powerful life, a spirit-filled life. Uh, and so that's what this new life from the heart is. Uh, the Bible says that we share in his resurrection so that we can be raised to newness of life. And that's what this new life is. And so a lot of these Christians that live this powerless life, this joyless life, this unfulfilled life, don't know what they really have. If they knew what they had, they'd jump for joy. If they knew what they really had, they'd never have a bad day for the rest of their lives. Of course, bad things happen, and storms come. Uh, but even in the midst of the storms, we have this incredible joy and peace that doesn't make sense to anyone else but us. We don't hear a lot about the idea of being satisfied with what we already have in Christ. Uh, and I think that's because the idea out there in the world is that you should never be satisfied, that you should always try to get more, more money, more fame, more power, um, whatever it might be. Um, the appetite out there in the world for things is never satisfied. And so that has crept into the church and it's crept into preaching that uh, you need more and you got to have more and you don't have enough. And so we rarely hear this idea that we can be satisfied in Christ with what we have because we have everything. 
We have absolutely everything. We are lacking absolutely nothing. From that place of satisfaction, as we're going to talk about, comes this incredible increase in joy, in peace, in life, in light, um, in experience, and uh, in power. We, we experience these new measures for new moments, as I've been talking about. But we have it all, and we can be satisfied and content in that, no matter what. It's easy to get distracted with our desire for more. I mean, I've heard your story. You've heard my story. We've all struggled with the temptation to want to get more, to get the bigger bank account, the bigger house, uh, more toys, uh, you know, uh, to climb the corporate ladder or whatever it might be. We're tempted and distracted by more. And that creeps into our Christian life as well. We feel like we don't have enough. We don't realize that we have everything we need. We have El Shaddai. That's a name for God. And that means a God of sufficiency, a God of more than enough. That's who we have. That's our God. And that's who lives in us. So what I want us to do is to, uh, to set aside all the distractions for more so that we can realize what we already have and who we already have, more importantly. And we have Jesus. Um, I've said it before, and, and you know I believe this, and I know you do, that there are indeed higher heights and deeper depths. Um, there's more to experience in this Christian life. But our position doesn't change. Our position is in Christ and him in us. And that is unshakable. It is unbreakable. And from that position, we can grow in our knowledge and in our experience of exactly what we have. I think we should take every opportunity to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Uh, there's a lot of Christians that haven't grown an inch since they've uh, come to faith. Uh, they said that sinner's prayer or, you know, they grew up in it and they, they believe it, but they've never grown. They've never taken any opportunity to grow, to pursue um, greater knowledge, to pursue the higher heights and greater depths of experience. And I think it's because they don't know what they have. They think they got to earn it. It's already been earned and it's already been paid for. You've already received it but you just don't know it yet. Well, maybe you do, and I hope you do. But if you don't, by the end of this uh, series, I hope that you'll know, that you'll know, that you'll know that you're saved and you have it all. Let's talk about growing in grace and knowledge. Go to Colossians chapter one. Uh, we'll start at verse nine and we'll read a few verses together. Paul writing to the church in Colossae says this, and so... From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. What did they hear? That they came to saving knowledge. The church in Colossae, the people there, they put their faith and trust in Jesus. Paul says, since we, the apostles, since we heard that, we didn't stop praying for you. Why would they pray for them? Didn't they already get everything? Yes, they got everything, but they prayed for a reason. Look at what it says. 
We didn't stop praying for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. See, that's what we're growing in. When we get saved, we get it all. We don't get like 10% or we don't get a little deposit until we put in some work. No, we get it all up front. But we don't realize all we have. And so that's why the apostles were praying for the church in Colossae. That's why we gather and pray for one another. That's why we study the word so that we can be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You get it all and then you learn to walk in a way that reflects what you have. You grow in that knowledge and in that wisdom. Uh, to walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord, uh, bearing fruit for every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. See, there it is. That's what you've been given. You've been made qualified. Qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. The inheritance, whenever you read that, just replace it with the word salvation. You've been qualified to be saved. Uh, and so you see this in these few verses, this full circle of we heard that you were saved, so we started praying for you so that you'd grow and that you'd understand and that you'd please God and bear fruit and increase and be strong and have power and endure and be patient and full of joy because you're saved. So you can see how you get it all and then you grow in this grace and knowledge. And in fact, Peter, uh, that great apostle, they're all great, but Peter, uh, over in 2 Peter 3.18, let's re read what Peter has to say about this. 2 Peter 3.18. Uh, let's go to 17. Let's start at 17. You, therefore, who, the beloved, Knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So what happens when we don't grow? We lose our stability. We don't lose our salvation. We can renounce our salvation. I believe that. I believe it's possible to lose it. It's hard, but you can but there's a lot of people that are saved, but they're not very stable. They're, they're tossed to and fro. Why? Because they haven't grown in the grace and knowledge. Remember that Sunday school uh, chorus? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. That's the whole point here, to grow and uh, to be strengthened. Because it's a wicked world out there. And uh, we need strength to stand. There's a lot of lawless people who are in error. That's what, what Peter says. Uh, Take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your stability, but grow. How do you grow? Well, the best way to grow is to get into the word and get into his presence and get to church with people of like faith and build yourself up. And that's what we're doing tonight, of course. So as we deepen our understanding of these truths, uh, over the next several weeks, I believe it will transform the way we approach life. 
Now, I think that we're all on the same page here. I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't already know, but it's great to be reminded of it, and it's great to be equipped with uh, words and phrases and to have these things refreshed in us as we enter this new season of ministry at Liberty Church. All right, so the first truth that I want to talk about tonight for a few moments is this truth that living from the new heart is about trusting, not trying. Trusting, not trying. Um, You know, when you were raising your kids, and I'm raising my kids now, what's one thing you probably said to them over and over? Just try. Just try your best. Just try your hardest. You know, my parents had to say that to me uh, with my schoolwork. I wasn't a great student. I didn't get great grades. You know, C's and and B's if I was really diligent. Um, And, you know, my friends were great students. And they would bring home A's, A pluses, and I would be so disappointed. And my parents would say, well, did you try your best? Of course, I'd say, yeah. Well, we we bring that attitude to Christianity and serving Jesus, and it falls short um, because no matter how hard we try, even if we tried our best, we could never measure up at all, ever. So this life from the new heart is not about trying your best, and if at first you don't succeed, try again. Uh, This life is about trusting Trusting Jesus, trusting his finished work, trusting the author and perfecter of our faith. That's why we put these words on our backdrop. Uh, They're important, that we trust, that we look to him. He's the one that authored this, he designed this, and he's the perfecter of it. What does perfecter mean? Perfecter means that he will accomplish its purpose in us. He will do it. He is working in us. He will accomplish it. We don't do it. We participate with him. We are active participants in this life. Absolutely. Um, But he's the one that does it. We can't do it. This life from the new heart is about trusting, not trying. Our new life is energized by the gospel, which is life-giving. The gospel is liberating, and it is easy and light. Go to Matthew eleven twenty nine. While you're turning there, let me just talk about those first points. The gospel uh, is energizing. The gospel is life giving. I mean, when when we when we think about what Jesus has done for us, we can't help but get excited. Uh, it, in, it invigorates us, it energizes us, it gives us life, and it sets us free. Uh, Jesus said that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Paul said that it was for freedom that Christ set us free, to no longer be subject to any yoke of bondage or slavery. Uh, and so that is what the gospel is all about, life and freedom. And this is an easy life. It's a light Life, it is so wonderful uh, when we know these truths. We're not put under another yoke of bondage. We didn't just trade one yoke of bondage for another one. 
We traded one heavy, burdensome yoke for a light and easy one. Uh, that burden of the law was so heavy, we could never carry it. We could never carry it. The law was never meant to justify anyone. Never. The law only ever pointed out sins. That's a heavy burden to live under. Someone constantly pointing out your faults. Someone constantly pointing out your failures, uh, your shortcomings. That's what the law did, always did. Uh, the sacrifices of the Old Testament covered sins for a time, but the law was always pointing them out until Jesus comes along and fulfills the law for us, keeps it perfectly, not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law as well, and then he offers himself as a sacrifice to die and then rise again so that we can die through the law and our obligation with its legal demands and we can be raised, forgiven, and live a new victorious life. Look at what Jesus says here in uh, Matthew chapter 11, 29. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus is saying, you know, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And then 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're uh, not at rest in your walk with the Lord, then you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're trying too hard. You're missing the point. The point is rest. Uh, the point is rest. And from there, you can trust and then obey, right? So we, we work from salvation, not for it. If you're working for your salvation, you're never gonna be at rest because there'll never be enough for you to do. But if you're working from it, you can have rest, you can have joy, you can have peace. It'll be a wonderful, fulfilling, satisfying life when we follow Jesus and learn from him. We gotta stop engaging in the endless, burdensome efforts of trying to get cleaner and closer. Trying to get cleaner and closer is known as legalism. Most of us grew up in it. We know all about it. We know all too well the damaging effects of legalism. Trying to get cleaner and trying to get closer by some form of law keeping. But the problem is, uh, it's all based on our behavior, right? And so we look at our behavior and we say, well, I'm filthy, so I can't even get close, so I even try. And that's a lot of people that you know that were Christians that walked away from it got caught in this vicious cycle of trying to get clean and trying to get close and never measuring up until they say, forget it. If only they heard the gospel, that they are clean and they are close, that they're washed in the blood of the Lamb, that they're so close that they're actually in Christ. They're not just next to him. They're in him, uh, which is so incredible. So we gotta stop trying to, to get cleaner and closer and start trusting the finished work of Christ on our behalf, that he cleansed us, that he perfected us once for all time by one offering, that he perfected us and brought us who were far off Remember, you who were once far off have been brought near. You're close, you're clean, you're washed, and you're in Christ. Um, this is what I'll say about that, though. Uh, enjoying our cleanness 
and our closeness is different from getting cleaner and getting closer. Okay? Enjoying it is different than actually getting cleaner and closer. So when you got saved, you were given this new heart, new nature. You were filled with the Spirit. You were baptized into the name of Jesus. Uh, you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You were given power for witness. I mean, you got it all. It was all yours. You received it. You were clean. You were close. Uh, but life happened, and uh, you know maybe you, you drifted a little bit. Uh, you got distracted. You know, you got your eyes off of, of Jesus and you started looking at the, the things of this world and you were dragged away by the error of lawless people and you lost your stability. That didn't change your cleanness and your closeness, but you sure weren't enjoying it, were you? That's been my experience over the years anyway. I wasn't enjoying it at all. I believe that I was still clean and close because I was still looking to Jesus. I still believed in him. I didn't renounce him. I didn't walk away from him. I was just going through the motions, trying to live my own life, my own way. Um, and maybe that's true of you. But when I realized that I had this cleanness and closeness and I wasn't getting dirty all the time and I wasn't in and out, I wasn't near and far, but I was there. I was right next to him and I was in him. That's when I really started to enjoy this cleanness and this closeness and live with more victory, uh, live with more passion, live with more freedom, um, live with more power over sin in my life. And so that's what I want for us, to enjoy this cleanness and closeness. That's what I want for your, your friends and your family members, your children and grandchildren who know the truth, but they're prodigals, they're far off, they're wandering. I want them to, to come home and enjoy their sonship, their daughtership with the Father and, and to enjoy the cleanness and the closeness that they have. I've said it uh, several times and we preached a big series about it, um, about biblical Christianity. And uh, we talked about how Christianity is not a religion, it's a reliance. More than anything else, it's a reliance. It's not a system of trying to get closer to God. Uh, that's what religion is. It's a system where man tries to ascend to God. Uh, that's not what Christianity is. Now, there's a religion in the world called Christianity, but that's not what biblical Christianity is. It's not what serving Jesus is. That's not what following Jesus is. It's a reliance, fully relying on him. So you have that little equation down there. That's the best math I can do for you. Trying equals religion. Trusting equals gospel. Trying equals religion. If you're trying, if you're trying, you're doing it wrong. If you're not at rest, if you're not at peace, if you don't have assurance, if you don't have confidence, if you feel like you gotta do more and be more, then you're doing this wrong. You're, you're, you're following a religion. Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He came to set you free from one so that you could rely on him. So trust in him. That's the true gospel. All right, so we'll finish with these four points. So number one, religion says that you need more, that you don't have enough, that you're lacking something. 
But God says that you've been given everything you need. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge, there it is again, that knowledge, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through those promises you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the world because of sinful desire. And then look at the effort. After you realize that you have everything you need for life and godliness and that you've been given precious promises and that you're a partaker of the divine nature, see, all of it up front, that's who you are, that's what you have. Now he says, make every effort to supplement that faith with. So you're working from salvation, not for it. Religion has you working for it. Religion has you saying, I got to get some more. I got to work harder. Uh, I need more. But God says, you have everything you need. And from that place, you are then able to grow. You're able to supplement your faith. You're able to enjoy what you have. Enjoy your cleanness and your closeness. So, number two, religion says you need to obey God. God says your heart wants to obey me. Now, of course, we all agree tonight that we need to obey God. On Sunday morning, I'm talking about obedience. And I will say that very phrase. We must, as followers of Christ, obey God. We have to. God's commandments aren't take them or leave them. They're not suggestions. They're commandments for a reason. It's very clear that if you're going to follow Jesus and love him, that you must keep his commandments. Right? If you love me, keep my commandments. So we must obey. But religion says you need to. God says, your new heart wants to. Your new heart wants to. Again, need, need kind of alludes to the fact or the idea that you don't have enough. That you're lacking something. And that obedience is going to get you more. That's what I mean here when I say religion says you need to obey. Because you don't have enough and so your obedience is going to earn you more of whatever it is you need. But God says that your heart wants to obey me. And in Romans 6.17 we learn that our heart is perfectly obedient. Uh, go back there to Romans 6.17. If you don't believe me, let's let the word prove it. And I know you do. I know you believe me. Romans 6.17. Actually, let's start at 15. Pick up at the first part of the paragraph. What then? What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? <laughs> By no means. 
Uh, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either a slave of sin that leads to death uh, or a slave of obedience which leads to righteousness? 17, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, look at the transformation here, have become, not are becoming gradually, but you have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of righteousness. So here Paul is thanking God for something that happened. Thanks be to God that we have been set free from sin and we have become obedient from the heart. Remember, this new heart is a perfect heart. And so the obedience that comes from that heart is perfect obedience. Now listen, the obedience that comes from our mind, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and the obedience that comes from our flesh is not perfect. Anyone with me? Yeah, we all stumble in many ways, James said, and I think he wrote that about me. Uh, we all stumble in many ways. Our, our thinking and our attitudes and actions aren't perfectly obedient. They're getting better. Oh, yeah. As we, as we submit, as we surrender, as we grow, as we learn, as we walk, uh, we... Uh, we notice that our attitudes and actions are being transformed. Um, but that obedience is not perfect. But our heart obedience is perfect because it comes from our new heart. And so religion says you've got to obey God because you're earning more as you obey more. But God says in his word that you do obey perfectly from the heart which will allow you to obey in your mind and in your members, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, all that sort of thing. Uh, religion says you need to love God more. God says you have an undying love for me. Now, we've all said it because we love the Lord that we want to love him more. That's a good thing to say. We want to love him more. Uh, sometimes when we pray um, before a meal, uh, I'll, I'll say, Lord, teach us um, to love each other better and to love you more. Those are good things. We want to love him more. But again, religion says you need to. Because loving him more earns you more. Well, the thing is, how can we truly love this? I mean, we can, but how can we adequately and fully love this infinite being while we're still here on this side of glory? I mean, uh, I remember the, the words of an old chorus that says, my greatest gift is the least your due. The most I could give you is just a fraction of what you deserve. 
So even when we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, he's still deserving of more love than that. And so, of course, we want to love him more. But religion says you need to love him more because loving him more earns you more. Uh, Look at what Ephesians 6.24 says. Let's go to 23. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Incorruptible. You see, religion says your love for God gets corrupted when you uh, make a mistake, when you fall short, when you don't live up. Uh, Religion says your love for God is only as good um, as your last success. And when you fail, well, you you don't love him. You must not love him. Uh, But God says that our love for him is incorruptible. Why? Because he first loved us. We're only capable of loving God because he first loved us. That's it. I mean, that Old Testament commandment, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself is impossible under the old covenant, just like every other commandment was. It's an impossible standard to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself without the Holy Spirit living in you. You might do it for a day, a week, a month, a year. There will come a time when you will fall short of that standard. But because we are new covenant believers, perfected with a new heart, a new nature, uh, because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, our love for God is incorruptible. It doesn't fade. It doesn't change. And then finally, quickly, because I want to have some time for questions. Religion says, try harder to give yourself to God. God says, you were bought with a price. You belong to me in every way. You are my prized possession. That's what God says about you. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. You belong to God and he values you. You are the apple of his eye, the object of his affection, the the reward of his suffering. That's you. That's me. You don't have to try harder to give more of yourself to God. If you've taken Jesus, he's taken you. And he didn't just take a little bit of you. Oh, you might think you just gave a little bit to him. But when you said, I surrender all, he took it all. Oh, you had some old habits that stuck around for a while. Maybe they're still hanging on. Or, you know, um, you still react a certain way to certain things. Or you still fall short. Or maybe... You know, you gave something up for a while and you picked it back up later. I I don't know what your story is. I just heard them all over the years in ministry, 20 years now. I've heard them all. People say, I just, I gotta, I gotta give myself to God. I give more. I'm holding something back. When he took you, he took all of you. And he gave you all of him. And now he's working to conform you to the image of his son, which will mean that eventually some of those things that you think you didn't give up, you'll give up 
They'll fall off. And if they don't, there's a day coming when they will. There's a day coming when they will, when we all are glorified, when we rise up out of those graves one day and we're changed and transformed. Let's go to 1 Corinthians and 1 Peter and then we'll say those closing remarks and then if there's any questions, I'd love to uh, hear from you. So 1 Corinthians 6.20. Okay, so in the previous verses, Paul is telling the Corinthians, the messed up church. I mean, these guys had it all messed up. He's telling them that they were joined in one spirit to the Lord there in verse 17. Joined, uh, being brought together, made one spirit with him. And so he says, because of that, again, you, you have it. Now do. Uh, because you were joined, because you're one spirit, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from sin. Um, you know, Run from it. Get away from it because it's not who you are anymore. Verse 19 uh, talks about our body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Again, the Spirit living in us. And then verse 20, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Glorify God with your body because you're not your own. You were purchased with blood, the blood of Jesus, that precious blood. Oh, precious is the flow that washes white as snow. 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, look at this, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were not a people once, but now you are God's people. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So religion says, try harder to give yourself to God. But God says, I already have you. I already have you. So if there's things you need to give up, if there's things he's calling you to change, if there's attitudes and actions he's trying to transform, then surrender to that. But he already has all of you. You haven't withheld anything from him. He purchased every last bit of you. Of course, there are plenty of times when we don't feel like these statements from God are true. Feelings aren't real. You can feel something that is real, but feelings are just feelings. Uh, we don't always feel clean. We don't always feel close. We don't always feel like we have everything we need. We don't always feel like we want to obey, or we don't always feel like we have an undying love for God, and we don't always feel like we're His. We experience periods of disillusionment, doubt, feelings of distance. We ask things like, where is God? And we seem to hear nothing but the beating of our own heart in response. But here's the truth. You will not always, and even most times, feel great. Because you're in this body of affliction. We're longing to be delivered from this. We know that this is not who we will be. But when we see him, yes, we will be like him. We'll have a glorified body. No more sickness, no more pain, no more heartache, no more struggle. We won't always feel great. But trusting the truth is not about feelings. Trusting the truth is about knowing who you really are 
and letting God convince you that you're much better off than you could ever imagine. <laughs>